0: I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a part, his career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but i found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York. I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do... You might not have heard of those. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. This week on the Dallas Famous Podcast, it's musician and composer Poppy Zander. Poppy has been playing piano since she was young and has really made her mark on the Dallas music scene. She's a founding member of Helium Queens, where she received a grant from the city of Dallas to write and perform a space opera. This led to Poppy joining the polyphonic spree. Xander has also played in a few big local tributes, like Madonna, George Strait, and Smiths. She's as charming as she is talented, and this chat gets pretty in-depth. Here's Poppy Xander. And we are here with Poppy Xander, uh, musician, keyboard player, composer? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. All right. All the above. Uh-huh. Um. So I did my research so you're from texas yes wait actually i don't know what city in texas
1: i was born in lubbock okay and then my parents moved to north texas and just kind of grew up in the suburbs um i don't say this a lot but i grew up in the colony Hmm. um i mostly don't say it because it's called the colony but now i really don't say it because people are like oh you're bougie and i'm like well, when I was a child, there was nothing out there yeah. at all. It was 121 was like one lane going one way, the other going the other. And halfway between where like the main street where I lived and the highway 35, there was one creepy swinging, like not even a stoplight. It was just like a swinging light And that's how you knew you were halfway to being home. Um, So, yeah, there was nothing out there when I was a kid. It was um, very much just like playing and doing whatever we wanted to do and growing up in parks on bikes and, yeah, Yeah. with a bunch of churches and liquor stores.
0: Fun stuff. So, I guess, I mean, well, then what kind of music were you getting exposed to early on?
1: So... I had the, I, I feel really, really fortunate. My dad is not a musician, but he was a big music lover. He grew up in the UK, uh, in Ireland, actually, and um, was really into rock and roll and like their pirate radio kind of situations that they had out there. And um, again, wasn't a musician, wasn't ever trained and brought that, you know, back with him and Still is you know always handing me CDs. A couple of days ago, he he goes, yeah, I have something I want to listen to with you. I bought a CD that we can listen to together, and I was like, oh, did you hear PJ Harvey just released a new album? And he was like, oh, that's what it was. I like, <laughs> I was waiting to listen to it so that we could listen to it together. Uh, I was like, I'll listen to it again. I was like, you listen to it on your own, and then we can listen to it together. So, yeah, very fortunate. Uh, my mom doesn't listen to music at all. Um, you know, and then, as far as getting into playing um i i I had a neighbor um I was probably in second or third grade, and I used to let her dogs out um, she had two little Cocker spaniels, and she had a piano in her house, and I would just sit and play pretend to play it probably, and then I would go to my grandmother's who lived in Florida, and she would write out letters and she told me what the letters were, so she would write out these pieces of music with just melodies on them and I was must have been pretty little at that at that time um probably before second grade but yeah and eventually I just did it and somebody in the little church we grew up gave a piano to the family because I wanted to play and I think my parents paid a little bit of money for it and it lived in my room and I was Totally obsessed with it. Wow! Like in my brain, like I contorted it to be like a thing that was a life and death situation if I didn't practice, and was really good at like putting pressure on myself to make sure that like I did this thing. Oh. um it's pretty wild. Like all the, anywhere from that to like, you know, trying to like build little worlds of things. You know, it was very, and I think an internal experience. Um,
0: you weren't char- You weren't playing for other people at that point. You're just kind of doing it on your well, own.
1: Well, in my mind, I was playing so that my parents could like afford their rent. Like maybe our landlord would like hear me playing and like somehow like have mercy upon them. <sighs> okay. Like I like I don't know if I was just like the most self righteous child on so the planet. Sweet, like <laughs> I was. Yeah, it's kind of sweet, but yeah, it's uh, you know it's kind of interesting. So um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of psychology <laughs> I feel there. Like
0: there's like Disney movie influence somehow in that. Like yeah. you know, like if I just play hard enough. Yeah,
1: know. totally. Um, yeah. That's really cute. Okay, yeah. Okay, but so then,
0: at what point did you start, or either you or someone else go? Oh, you know what? You're actually good at this. This isn't just a a hobby. Like this is something that's like legit.
1: You know, I bounced around piano teachers a lot when I was a kid because I think financial reasons and just like having the availability of somebody to actually take you consistently to a thing. Um, And you know, a lot of piano teachers in my Neighborhood where I would say pretty conservative, like people, ladies that mm-hmm. didn't really have, they were stay at home moms and they taught piano on the side for money. And those were like really terrible experiences. And then at one point, I got a really amazing piano teacher, um, although not consistent. And that really boosted my ability to read music and play. Um, and then all of a sudden, all that went away. Um, and just just because again of availability, and so that's when I started doing a lot of like improvising and just making stuff up at the piano, because mm-hmm. I didn't really have anything else to do. And trying to write music out on sheet paper and stuff like that. And um, um, you know, I remember running into the living room, my brother would be playing Final Fantasy, whatever number, and. Um, I'd be like, I just made this song up, and I'm going to go make up more songs. That's my <laughs> sixth grade voice, probably. Right. And I would do that, and I don't know. I think he always thought that was kind of... He wasn't really, like, encouraging, but he always heard me pr- practicing. He was the other kid that was home, the other person that was home, because no, there weren't really any adults home. My mom was always working. My dad wasn't, didn't live with us. So, yeah, um, it was... Uh, I think, like, I started realizing I could kind of... Like I said, it was this internal experience always. Mm-hmm. So it really meant something to me in a way that I don't think anyone else could ever understand. And so it, it was never like, I'm actually good at this. Um, it was just kind of this connection to a thing, you know? Huh. Um, I started doing competitive piano in high school, um, late middle school, high school, and... um wasn't prepped well for that like didn't really have the infrastructure for that but did it anyway and you know put a lot of pressure on myself to do that too um it because my parents didn't they weren't worried about any of that kind of stuff Yeah, that was all self-motivated I guess but um yeah and then uh I remember one day I was blow drying my hair and I had uh A Tom Petty CD playing. I mean, I couldn't, I don't know how old I was. Maybe it's like 13 or something like that. And Free Fallen was on, right? And I was blow drying my hair and I could hear the bass line. And that was like the first time that I'd ever, like, isolated, heard an instrument where I was like, oh, I think I can find what that note is. Because before, up until then, it had always just been sheet music, classical. You know, sure. Um, coming from that angle, so slowly but surely, and it took a really, really long time to start to like line up those dots, um, connect those dots. Um, was I able to to start playing in bands and stuff like that? And I never understood uh, for for a very long time how that was all. Sp- supposed to fit together i didn't understand how like i was how musicians did what they did like rock and roll together
0: how to play together
1: play together or just yeah i didn't understand any of that stuff even though i i knew theory and could do theory placement tests and understand how harmony worked because nobody talked like that either so you start talking to guitar players and they're not like you know talking about functional harmony and so i know i have all this knowledge and it's very specific and labeled and they have all that knowledge and there's a huge communication language barrier and i you know feel insecure around that so i just t- it took a long time because i didn't want to ask questions and stuff like that you sure know? sure um so, so yeah so this was a long process of getting into rock right into the rock world Well,
0: so then you go to unt for music is that right? uh-huh, yeah and then and you were doing that to be a musician or to be a teacher because i know you taught as well i
1: wanted to save the world by teaching elementary music Uh um i was thinking about going into music therapy and i went into to music education um i'd been playing in bands before that so by that time i was pretty in
0: high school you're already playing in bands yeah
1: yeah i uh i met somebody who i was telling them about how i was a classical piano player and they were like well This is aside from figuring out how to play like, uh, like "Stairway to Heaven" and uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers song. uh, What is it? Under the bridge. Under the bridge. Yeah. With uh, with my buddy. You know, my my best, one of my best buddies at the time. You know, like we figured those two songs out. You know, Uh, but besides that, I'd met a person, and they were like, I was telling them about my classical music playing and they were like well we play in this metal band it'd be really cool for you to maybe try and combine those things you know because that was that was a thing at that time you know the black metal scene and Uh symphonic metal um, was kind of putting this like these big keyboard interludes and stuff into this music so I started doing that and quickly was uh, out of my league into how to ingrain those two but that's kind of where that started um
0: that's okay so you're like you're you knew there was a way but you hadn't gotten figured out how to do it yet yeah and
1: so that that's kind of where i that was the first like like time where i was playing music and and it it was it in a band setting and it was it was pretty uh intense because i feel like and that's like kind of like a theme of my life is like i'm like okay i I know I I know it can be done, but I don't know how to do it and I'm probably not going to ask about it. So I'm just going to fucking sit here and suffer through <laughs> this shit until I finally figure it out or quit and start another band and then figure that figure it out there. You know, right. <laughs> or like whatever. It's like, you know, slowly um you know, just yeah, stagger there basically. Yeah, just yeah. just chomping away at the you know. But,
0: I mean, it's, it's interesting because it's like it's like you, you always had that instinct um, to not just play alone, obviously, because you could have done that piano. You don't need anyone else to, to – you could be self-enclosed in that if you wanted. But it's just interesting, like, you always had that instinct to, like, go further with it, you know, like to play with people.
1: I think that's the, the weird thing about about piano. It's like it sets you up to be alone, and it is actually pretty unnatural to be – doing that much music making alone right um so yeah definitely gives you kind of like a weird um experience because it's like you're not used to playing with other people so timing is weird and you know there's like a leniency to not playing in an ensemble and growing up oh i play clarinet in band well half of what you do in band growing up is count to a metronome you know which i'm not going to comment on how weird that is as you know as a way of introducing children to music, but, you know, (laughs) it's another podcast, but, um, (laughs) yeah, so there's definitely, you know, pros and cons to, to how piano is approached, but, um, yeah, definitely, you know, the, you know, the influence of rock music in our house, I think definitely made me like want to try and got it like move into that world yeah because um, I think
0: anytime you're introduced to music with lessons that you're learning like classical stuff first if you're like almost any genre like, yeah you know or any f- instrument I mean you're, that's yeah. you're starting you um so but I mean uh, maybe I'm going out of order but like you, you there was something about chamber music specifically that you got into
1: um i was talking about symphonic black metal Mm -hmm. is that what you're well i don't know referencing chamber music well in my bands
0: yeah exactly like Um, seems like it's a theme that you like because there's
1: yeah oh so i had uh i can't even remember the name of my own what i called my band uh (laughs) Yeah, I really can't. I don't know is it, if I is, is, is it somewhere? I know. I, you know, because we, we would, you know, it's, it was one of those things. that's like Poppy Xander and, and what do you say? It's just, you know, th- this music, the chamber rock, on the chamber rock ensemble, chamber rock orchestra. I don't know. I tried a few different things, uh-huh. you know, um, and yeah, the chamber rock idea was, you know, I had a desire to. Well, really early into me playing solo. So this would have been after UNT, after I taught public school for four years, elementary music in Dallas, and then fucking quit. And Mm -hmm. after becoming an alcoholic, to be frank, because that shit is intense. You know, it's really better now. I, I can't even imagine what I mean, I think that now I would have more a lot more patience and like understanding to contribute in a healthier way to that but at that time it's just like i mean i was teaching 700 kids a week you know and it was Uh it was and no support and 45 kids in a classroom and it was you know it was it was it was wild but um so after that uh is when i started doing my solo writing and i started writing songs not just improving pieces of music and Mm -hmm. and writing instrumental music um
0: and writing parts out for everybody or just yourself Nope, just myself and
1: i still do that i still do not write parts out for other people it's very rare that i tell somebody something that i want them to play like overly specifically Mm -hmm. um you know i'll say like I might suggest some directions and things. Every once in a while, I'll get hooked on an idea and be like, I want this thing. But for the most part, I let people do what they do. Because um, I I don't have a lot of that. I don't know. It's, to me, it's not the point. You know, I sure. do what I do. Oh, I get I, it. Like, when yeah, I
0: used to play I did the same... I Because my thing was I can't pay anybody at the time. So I was like, well, you have fun you know? yeah that's good yeah that's
1: that's good i i read some bob dylan thing at some point that he didn't have a band because he couldn't pay him and so i really tried to avoid having a band if i couldn't pay people yeah i get and it so that was kind of my um kind of has been my model although it's you know it's always hard to get paid but yeah in in 2013 um i think I was playing this like little coffee shop gig and my friends said they were coming and that they were going to bring a violin player and I didn't think anything of it. And then all of a sudden this tiny person appeared on stage next to me and was like, Hey, and I was like, hi, she's like, can I play with you? And I was like, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure that's like all that was said. And she just started playing with me and that was Charlotte Franklin. And so okay. pretty much from then on, um, we've been in bands together um, and, but that's the chamber rock ensemble was kind of like, you know, and then I had a friend who was a tuba player, and so I was like, well, come play, be basically my bass player, uh-huh. and then Chelsea, didn't, so that was Jeff Murder, and then Chelsea Danielle, um, I'd seen her play, and she's a, she's a band background, classical background, percussion, and, you know, drum kit, and, you know, marimba vibes, all that stuff, and so she started playing with me and that's kind of how we formed that ensemble and yeah i i'm hugely influenced by classical music mm-hmm. it, you know i mean that's that's a lot of what i listen to um and i think it's metal as fuck too a lot of it you know yeah it's it's yeah. amazing what i can't imagine
0: i forgot to ask i maybe this out of sequence now but at what point were you not just playing piano but like moving to a synthesizer
1: Oh, yes, that was, that would have been kind of in the metal days. I bought, actually, it's funny, I bought my first keyboard at, there was this shop on 35. I don't remember what it was called. The building is still there. I'm sure it sells boats now or something, but, um, I guess it was called, like, Mike's Music or something. I don't know, it was off, like, 35 in Louisville, and, um... Yeah, I went in and bought a Roland keyboard from there with, like, all the money that I'd saved up. up. I must have been, like, 17. Um, And I, you know, pretty much spent probably a grand at that time, you know, Mm -hmm. and bought a keyboard and to play in that metal band. And I still use that keyboard. It's a huge part of the Helium Queens. Oh, cool. Um, I, I just, for some reason, they're... Our sounds on it that I just love and um, have continued using it but yeah that's that's when I started of course for me it wasn't so much about synthesizers as it was finding sounds and using them Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, starting to like change sounds and really understand like keyboard synthesis on a basic level that's a very ongoing thing and probably didn't happen until I'd say like maybe the last six years I started moving into that realm, especially with helium Queens. Like I wanted to get more into um, playing that, you know, kind of music myself, being able to use synthesizers and, and whatnot. And I mean, it is a whole world of just, I, I went to Nam a couple years ago and I remember like them saying that they were like all of this, you know, like you stand up and you look at the, vast expanse of booths and shit you find at Nam, and they were like it used to just be guitars this is where all the guitar stuff was and now it's all keyboards and synthesizers and all the guitars are on the third floor or whatever and you know in the showrooms and all that kind of stuff and um yeah it's huge it's huge it's an amazing it's an amazing thing um but yeah that's kind of um, I would say the past six years, and yeah, it's ongoing. You know, and then learning to like fine tune that stuff and and make sounds for like the bass. You know, in Primadonna, I was the key bass player. That was like, you know, having to dial dial things in with just knobs and not just using patches. You know, not uh-huh. just finding a sound that's pre-programmed, but like dialing it in, in a specific sure. way to make it sound like another synthesizer. Um, that kind of stuff. And most, like I said, most of what I was doing before is just taking, like, a workstation, which is where you can put trumpets on these five notes and, you know, string pads in and, and these two octaves and then piano over here, and you can play multiple instruments at the same time and split your keyboard up in different ways. Mm-hmm. That's more of what I was doing, um, you know, before. In addition to what I would do with synthesizer Mm. yeah
0: so okay you've already touched on a bunch of your bands so let's start with um the tributes so and actually you 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 brought up something that I didn't even think to ask anybody else about this I mean I have had tribute people on uh, band members on but it's just interesting so yeah so like your whole thing is like trying to like emulate these sounds for what you're doing in in your Uh role that's I don't I mean that's (laughs) obvious but yet it's not
1: yeah it's the production factor and it can be it can be a little bit uh, tedious and cumbersome, and sometimes I don't want to do it. A lot of bands, especially in the tribute scene, they'll play with tracks, mm-hmm. so oh, that really? stuff is all in a track. Yeah, I mean, oh, like just I see what you're saying. So, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, so you know, the little the little triangle parts or the you know the the string pads that you might you might not even notice are there when you're listening to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll put those in tracks sure um and i for the most part um you know and when i was in the madonna tribute um you know with bobby hoke you know he he really digs into that stuff and finds those parts and you know we're similar um in that regard of like you know i knew how to do that and mm-hmm. so you know we would we would find those parts um and do that and um that's kind of what i do in i play in a smith's um morrissey tribute and people Mm. are like there's no keyboards in that and it's like actually there's a lot of like weird piano sometimes there's actually like piano songs um sure yeah and
0: i love the smiths and that's like one band i wish would come around which will never happen yeah it's not
1: yeah just
0: not which is a good reason like sometimes we why are you why are you being a tribute band for this band well it's like well that's a well for that band it's like as you can't see me morrissey gets a show he's gonna cancel it anyway right yeah
1: yeah yeah for sure yeah and it's yeah and like i think the other good thing about like a smith's morrissey tribute or just a smith's tribute whatever is like the fan base is like has, like, a certain level of, like, camaraderie almost that you would find in, like, the goth scene Mm -hmm. or, like, these different scenes where it's, like, the Madonna... We had amazing fans that were... Madonna fans and also our fans, but, like, it wasn't, like, the Smiths, like... Felt like all those people felt like they were in a club together. Mm-hmm. Like we love the Smiths Club, and it's it's always really cool because they really love. I've got to the come Smiths. out, and I as much as I oh, love yeah. them,
0: I haven't made it yet. But I'm it's on the, the
1: yeah list. yeah yeah. It's it's fun. It's you know it's it's great. S- so you're um, still
0: in that one. You're not in mm-hmm. the Madonna anymore.
1: Yeah, the Madonna has um like just I don't know. I think there comes a time when. There is like unspoken burnout.
0: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
1: and things come to a head, and it's kind of like, for me, I'm not going to speak for anybody else. I was just like, I'm okay with just not for right in a indefinite amount of time. Sure. You know? Okay. Um,
0: and then George Strait is that still one. You yeah,
1: do? I love playing country uh, country piano. So much. Um, it's a lot
0: different, huh? It is,
1: it is, and it's super fun. Um, and I find it, you know, to be pretty accessible and, like, pocket-focused. So it's like, you know, anytime you're in a country band, you, you get to stand next to usually, like, the bass player and... The drummer and and you kind of hold the rhythm section together. Mm -hmm, Sure, Um, I love that, especially after playing synth bass for six years in the Madonna tribute. It's like that, and that this is also probably out of order is kind of a crazy thing too, because. I grew up playing solo piano like we talked about earlier and never playing with anybody and my timing quite frankly wasn't really great when I was playing in ensembles because I wasn't really used to that sure. and I didn't have a lot of that experience because I was also you know I was also homeschooled and just like literally didn't play with anybody it wasn't like oh I play piano and I'm in band or choir like I really just played by myself Sure. and fortunately getting the experience of playing synth bass with an amazing drummer like um, Alan in Prima Donna, I was able to develop a pocket of playing. So Mm -hmm. I'd been in bands, you know, for four or five years up to that point. Well, and I mean, before, for, for, for off and on, but when I started that, that's when I think it really sealed the deal on, like, my timing in and my and my pocket and keeping, like, you know, a groove going and all mm. that. And so when I, again, out of sequence, started Helium Queens, um, eventually I would, you know, become not only the keyboard player, but also the synth bass player in that, too. So, yeah, it, it it's wild how how that experience really created like a whole, I feel like a whole musician out of me to be able to, you know, do the top end, but also do the bottom end. Well,
0: cause I mean, you get pushed, like when you're not doing your own thing and you're in another role and you're like, this is my job. I have to accomplish this. It's like it, it draws you out of your comfort zone and makes you, I mean, either you get better or you stop kneeling. I yeah, guess. Right, right. Exactly. Um, okay. I got to ask spaghetti Eddie. What was that situation?
1: Um, so confetti Eddie, confetti Eddie. It's okay. Cause oh, he, I... he would do tricks hmm. with spaghetti. And so there was definitely some spaghetti Eddie moments. Okay. So I was playing at a bar called the underpass which was under the highway off of, uh, what is that street? Exposition, maybe, or First, I don't know, somewhere over there in Expo Park. Um, and there was nobody there. It was the 3rd of July, probably. Everybody was watching fireworks and doing fireworks stuff, and I had, like, a barry sax player, a tuba, um, violin. I was on keyboards. Like, we were literally just being wild and, like, they were like marching around the place and we played a gig me and my drummer chelsea danielle had just played a gig with charlie crockett so we we were was part of his backing band Question:
0: you were playing with charlie for a really
1: while. random uh-huh. yeah just one it was a one-off oh, okay. where we just sat in and played and um huh yeah wild um <laughs> a wild missed opportunity i guess maybe looking back but i'm glad that we had the one night mm-hmm. um Anyway, so we were, so we just played that gig at Sons of Herman Hall with Charlie Crockett. And then we, me and Chelsea drove over to the underpass and set up and played there with, you know, uh, Jeff Murder on tuba and Chris Evitz on barry sax and Charlotte Franklin on violin. I was playing keys and stuff. And in walks one lone person. I'm pretty sure like in a suit. (laughs) <laughs> like in a tuxedo situation maybe in the middle of July and that was confetti Eddie. and he said I think I have a gig for you and across the street from there he he gave me his card he was like come over sometime and I and I remember walking in and it was that building a few doors down from 10 bells or 8 bells, Mm -hmm. whatever, whichever one is on, yeah, I don't remember, in Expo Park. Right, right. I know the other one is, um, was somewhere else in Dallas. Anyway, so in Oak Cliff, I think, but I walked in, it had a big Tyrannosaurus Rex outside of it, like a big sculpture, um, that was there for years. And I walked in and he was playing, um, the door was open and like, I heard like this like sewing machine and there's just like mannequins and like weird (laughs) shit everywhere. And I was like, what the fuck am I getting into? And he was there and I turned this corner and went through like, I mean, just all sorts of stuff hanging and beautiful, weird things everywhere. And he was making his own costumes and, you know, tricks and stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I started, um, playing piano for him and kind of music directing his magic show and sometimes it would just be me and him and he would do the whole magic show and i would play piano for him for his acts and improv stuff and then do a few numbers and um or he'd have a burlesque dancer and i'd either play for her or you know do a run a track or whatever um and that went on for years we had some really big shows some really Mm. big beautiful you know the naughty magic show was was an amazing um show it was it was a big deal it was a lot of work but But it it was it was fun cool all
0: right well we might as well we beat around the helium queen bush so like how did that start why did that start
1: yeah so um i had been playing shows with chelsea and um charla And um, my tuba player moved away and we replaced him with um, Jesse Thompson who was playing upright bass but we got called to do this gig and it was like an all women's pagan festival Mm. and it was in outside of Kansas City um, at this I think a private piece of property is pretty big and, um, you know, what you would think of when you go into a pagan festival, just like (laughs) trees and pathways and running water and, you know, pretty wild stuff. So it was just the three of us and, um, it was a full moon and there was all sorts of rituals happening. I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty wild and, you know, being the musicians, like we got to observe a lot and you know kind of and and that would have been my band we were just playing stuff and then um i think on i think over the a few weeks leading up to that i talked to charla about really wanting to do some like electronic kind of stuff and have her play violin and do that upstairs at crown and harp Mm -hmm. in that carpeted room upstairs like Mm -hmm. i I was like i want to do something up there that room is so weird and cool and like i just (laughs) like a fucking weird dance party in the living room that's not yours like i want to play there and then that the trip that we ended up taking kind of sealed the deal where i was like oh we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna make a band and we're gonna be from the future and we're gonna be prophetesses from the moon and that's what it's gonna be and that was like after that trip because um, we were just laying out there under the full moon and I'm sure everybody was tripping and <laughs> it was crazy and yeah I, I I just kind of felt like this pretty clear directive on that and so we, we started that and slowly over time developed these personas and you know I was really into like transcendental meditation and was like doing a lot of meditation and like doing writings like kind of around this storyline and stuff like that and um you know just trying to understand and spent a lot of time like working on the background of it and eventually you know turning it into an entire saga series and 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 you know what would become the opera and um yeah it's really creating kind of like a universe for a thing so that no medium is off limits as far as you know what we or someone could do to um, create within that framework hmm. um, and let it be ongoing, developing, open-ended, you know, it's really interesting because it continues to like evolve, you know, and um, you have shows, albums. Yeah. So we, we have a three piece, um, like I said, Chelsea and Charlotte and I, and um, we kind of become the helium Queens and channel, channel them and vice versa and smoke the helium hookah on the stage and have live performances um, throughout the year. Um, And we actually just did our first tour in May, um, and that was – it was amazing. I mean, it's a whole um, spectacle, you know? I mean, it's it's all colorful and Mm – you know it's it's pretty wild um i think what we can do is a three-piece and we can fit everything into one car (laughs) so (laughs) neat very Um, easy to tour with yeah so uh we do have two albums one was live recordings that we did kind of during covid and then one was one is a studio album we recorded at civil audio with michael briggs in its self-titled Helium Queens, and we have a new single that we recorded and are recording some more stuff that's really um, amazing. I'll send you a copy of it so you can listen to it. I don't know when that's going to be out, but soonish. I'm I am not actively looking, although I should be, for somebody to do a music video for it because um, that's <laughs> uh, hands have been raised. Um, that's all I needed to say. Could um you know, uh, but yeah, just very um, working, working kind of like in a, in a, I think in a bigger sound direction. Um, so, and then also f- besides the three piece, we, we, I had applied for a grant uh, from the city of Dallas to fund. A science fiction opera known as a space opera and we chelsea and charla and i basically sat at chelsea's house for two weeks and came up with like i don't know like 25 pieces of music (laughs) some recycled some some recycled things um some things of course we jammed on before but i mean we spent two weeks three weeks cutting demos to make this music for this opera because in 2020, they awarded us the grant to make the opera. Um, and then COVID happened and they were like, JK. And then all of a sudden they were like, okay, you can do it. And you only have this amount of time to do it. Oh, wow. So like, or you can like pass it up. And I was really close to passing it up. And then we decided to go for it. And we sat in that house and wrote music and script. And I mean, the script changed. It's still kind of, you know, it's it changed until the last show, um, a little bit here and there, but the music was all pre, pre-recorded pre so that we could basically sing and act, mm-hmm. and I mean, that was a 20-person production, and then we did it again the following year in 2022 at the Kessler, um, in the round, so it felt like we were in a fucking wrestling rink, like it was, <laughs> you know, people just like cheering and watching from above uh-huh, and all around cool, while yeah. we were doing this like thing, and it was awesome. And then, um, I remember Tim DeLotter from the spree was up on the, because the stage became seating and he <laughs> was, he was sitting in the back row with, next to Chris Penn. And there was a, a projection of all of the, the words, um, were projected on the screen so that you could follow along with the storyline as best as you could and, and their faces were just like bright cuz they were right on that line and i remember tim being like yeah i felt like i was being interrogated the whole time but yeah we did that and then we have a we're in talks with um a nonprofit to do it in denton next mm. summer mm. so fingers crossed we'll we'll be able to do another run of it excellent um,
0: yeah i hope so because I, I i remember thinking i was going to go for both those shows and then something came up yeah
1: and, yeah know, and that yeah
0: and then that's the segue is perfect because tim Delauder was at that show yeah. and that's what led you to polyphonic spree right being a member of that
1: yeah so um yeah i polyphonic spree happened Um, I was I've known Nick Earl and um, I've known Nick Earl for a long time at that point we used to go um, see they had a jazz trio I can't remember who it was Nick Earl and Chris Holmes who's a beloved drummer friend of mine an incredible musician and they would play jazz versions of what ever Mm -hmm. you could think of Mm -hmm. like Tetris theme song to Nirvana to and it was just wild they were amazing and they would do that at like the bottle shop on Greenville Avenue or wherever and I would go with my best friend Betty Lee and we would go listen to them so I'd known Nick for a long time and um, I kind of got word that Bach was retiring to go pursue other endeavors and so I worked up some audition material and um, happened to run into Tim at the 30 year or something reunion of the KDGE 94.5 The Edge um, anniversary at Lee Harvey's and he was presenting some stuff and uh the Smiths tribute was playing, and so I kind of somehow managed to pull him aside, which is very difficult to do because everybody's "Hey Tim, Hey Tim, Hey Tim, mm-hmm. Hey Tim," you know, just like <laughs> cock blocking you the whole way. And like, come on, sorry, I don't know what the language You're fine is <laughs> requirement is, but um, uh, we finally had this conversation, like literally, like behind a tree, so that no one would see us, and he was like. <laughs> you know how to play these songs is like yeah he's like send them over and so i i sent him copies and then played the whole um that was like that must have been like august september and then worked really 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 hard to get all of the rep done for the christmas show and after that he sent me a text message like great audition you're in and i was like wow oh, that was just an audition this whole time okay got it. <laughs> it was it was awesome and um you know and then COVID hit and that was pretty devastating for you know, us, and I think I'd played as many shows as recorded albums, you know, in the first year, I'd played the Christmas show, and then we recorded, um, the covers tribute album, um, at the Polyphonic Spree house up the street from here, aflatus and then played one more show, and then started working on the new album, Salvage Enterprise, and, um, yeah, so recorded two albums in the span of like maybe three two or three shows wow um over two years so it was it was pretty wild um but yeah it's good to be you know playing and have people at shows and
0: i gotta say that was one of the most fun shows ever shot i mean that was the other night yeah was so much going on and the energy and the I mean, the fans of that band are just amazing. And I mean, I've actually the ripples of the fan clubs on Facebook have continued to be really amazing fans. And it's 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 cool. It's special for sure. It's unique. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh.
1: Yeah. it was awesome. I I w- it was awesome. It was a great, great venue. Yeah. I'm going to have to go out there and take a bunch of pictures of just how it is right now because it's not going to be like that in a year or six months it's not gonna be that desolate arid oh, waste right of, well so not waste uh, just like yeah, wasted it's not away, built you know? up it's
0: gonna start things yeah. are gonna appear around yeah it and sure. it's pretty
1: amazing right now i yeah. mean it's like being on a abandoned ghost town in the middle of <laughs> dallas it's yeah, really wild it is
0: wild it's not that far though really it just seems no. like it's like in the middle of nowhere yeah it's
1: on a little island there's a name for it is it called rock island or something like that i, I think i I I made that up, actually, because I was talking to one of the Pearl Earl girls about, Pearl Earl musicians about Rockaway Island or whatever. Uh, Anyway, um, yeah, it's surrounded by water, actually. Um, There's like one road that goes in and then the rest of it's surrounded by water. And um, so it's just kind of cut off from everything. And yeah, yeah, I mean, I just
0: think it's so cool, though. I mean, like, I can't imagine getting to play there, like, like the fact that it's open and it's not just reopen. It's like they're really respecting and honoring the history and mm-hmm. continuing to add to it.
1: Absolutely, yeah, what, it's awesome. What
0: what is uh, what is next for you? Where can we find you? What your next projects are doing? I think I saw you have a Patreon going. Is that still I do? Happening? I
1: do. I have I have a couple Patreons. Um, Helium Queens has a Patreon, um, and then I have my own Patreon. Um, it's I, I share a lot of like real personal stuff, like raw kind of poetry and improvisations and like. Um, what I call like first listens. Like if I get a song idea, I sit at the piano, I play it, I sing it. Some words, like maybe horribly out of key, doesn't matter. I <laughs> kind of throw that stuff up on the Patreon because it's just kind of an archive. Um, you know, it's it's an interesting question at this point because I I used to know exactly what I was doing for the next six months and was really in denial about it. And I was like, I don't know, I have a lot of gigs. That's, what's, that's what, all I'm doing. But now... <laughs> some things have changed and there's fewer um you know things have changed um so i get to kind of answer that question differently um i did an interview with Joshua, Joshua Ray Walker the other day and oh, cool. um cuz i started writing for the observer i did see that yeah and it's like that i can't tell you how much like i i've always wanted to be a professional writer, um, not necessarily like journalist articles, right, but like writing novels and you know, I I've been uh. a songwriter, but like I like I wanna be like a writer, you know. And I just, you know, I was talking to Eva Raggio from The Observer. She was like, Look, man, if you want to do it, do it. Just do it. Just give me this. Here, here's an assignment, do it. Mm. And I did it, and I was like, I am totally obsessed with this, like, you know, just the research that it takes, like, I'm sure some people can make a list of the top 10 best cigarette machines in bars in Dallas Mm -hmm. off the top of their head and write that in like a couple hours. But for, for me, you know, I'm like, you know, going to these places and doing all this research and like learning (laughs) about all this stuff and talking to people and like, that's what I love about it. And, um... So I did that interview. That was just, honestly, that was just like yesterday, maybe. I don't know. Time is weird. Um, and I was like, really got that itch to sit. I hate that phrase. Gross. <laughs> um, I really got the desire to um, kind of return to my own songwriting and, and um, you know, maybe work on actually putting um, an album together uh, Um, of all these songs that I've written that I've kind of started to hoard and keep to myself or just for my Patreon and really stopped performing publicly because it was just like so vulnerable and like heavy for me. Mm. Um, But I've kind of I think am in a place where I can do that again because my energy isn't being isn't just like being constantly put into, um, you know, other bands that aren't Performing anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, So I get to, I I have a little bit more, hopefully a little bit more room with that. Helium Queens is doing some recording and um, is going to be doing some live shows and hopefully an opera next year. The Spree is doing a show at fucking Rubber Gloves in Denton. What? It hasn't even been announced yet. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this, but I got an email this morning saying it was confirmed. So if I'm just like, Bl- like blowing the cover off this thing. I guess you'll message me uh, and tell me to take yeah, it off. Yeah, I'll tell you to take it off. Actually, I, m- I might not unless somebody says something. Um, October 1st at Policon, um, wow. they have a Polaroid festival there, and we're playing, I think it's Sunday, October 1st. Wow. And I'm super excited because I... You are here first, people. Yeah, because <laughs> I love Rubber Gloves so much. I love Chad Withers over there, and Daniel Rodriguez runs the Policon, and yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about that, in that's addition cool. to a uh, couple shows that we have in the winter in December. Of course, two nights of the um, Polyphonics Pre-Christmas Extravaganza this, this year is two nights, so that's exciting. At Kessler again? Or? Um, it, the Majestic. Oh, Majestic. That's a Majestic. Oh, uh-huh.
0: that's a cool spot.
1: Yeah, really cool.
0: And you get to play in some really cool venues with that band. Jeez, I know. That's... And
1: really cool shows. I Yeah, that's yeah. a whole other podcast episode. But yeah. yeah, really, really some some great stuff. And, and I'm sure some more um, as this new album is, I, I guess, getting ready to be released. That I can't tell you much about. I okay. just know um, the last show we played was really interesting because... We did five songs off the new album, and, like, those were songs that, like, I had written parts for and, um, you know, played on the album and was part of the recording process for all that. And so that was really special because I felt like I wasn't having to learn somebody else's stuff, you know, yeah, like, it was your, just, like, mine yeah. and, and and playing that um you know, and all of us playing that together. Yeah,
0: and I mean, and, and I mean, not that you were ever a hired gun, but it just really probably makes you feel like you're really part of the team at that point more so. Yeah, you know,
1: and I, that wasn't a thing I wasn't I wasn't expecting that feeling to really happen because wow. I did yeah. feel like I was part of the team, but something really changed, I think, with that.
0: Well, that's the highest compliment that someone like Tim the Ladder could give you is like, write your own parts in these songs and let's write together. That's like, I mean, how much better does it get than that? Yeah, yeah, it's cool.
1: I I have one part on a song. um, The song's called Shadows on the Hillside and it's like a a little piano part that you hear um, in the slow verses of the song and he calls it the Steven Spielberg part, you know? And and I I love that, you know, because, yeah, yeah, whenever you see somebody kind of light up about what you're doing sure um and he he lights up you know when he hears something it's like music does that for him um or any like things do that for him so it's it, he's really expressive and has that um you know big um reactions and you know is sensitive and can feel a lot of things and that's i think part of what makes him who he is and as effective as he is and yeah so to to have that experience is, um, yeah, it's fucking cool, and I'm, I'm, yeah, looking forward to whatever happens with that album and the shows that we play around it, and. Yeah. All I know is October 1st.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, I <laughs> I think you belong in that band. I think it was not an accident that you are there, and, and it was awesome seeing it. And it was awesome having you here today on Dallas Famous. Um, we look forward to all of the stuff coming out.
1: Yeah. Thank you for having me here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: I'd like to thank my guest, Poppy Zander. The theme song is Salim Narala with Unstoppable. We love that guy. You can listen to the Dallas Famous Podcast every week on Deep LM Radio, Sundays and Tuesdays at 1 p.m. and then again on all the podcast places. Just wanted to say, if you're a DFW-based business and you want to do some sort of sponsorship, we're looking for you. So reach out and let's talk. Thanks again. We'll see you
1: next week.